Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. The 9-3 and three Cleveland football Browns getting set to take on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. This is a very special Saturday edition of the Rebuild Podcast. I'm Jordan Zern, your host, coming to you from 65 degrees in sunny Los Angeles, California. But I am also hearing, per my sources on the ground in Cleveland, that it is 55 degrees and sunny over there. I think this is really what this means is it's just a good omen all around the Browns game at First Energy Stadium taking on their division rival in the Baltimore Ravens. And I am here today to paint a picture of where the Browns were in week one when they first took on the Baltimore Ravens and where they are now as they head into, I believe it's week 14, taking on the Baltimore Ravens. They are in two very, very different places. Two really completely different football teams, if you think about it, outside of you know, Odell Beckham Jr. was obviously playing week one, so that's a huge thing in general. Um, how the Browns, I think, have really taken a hold of the identity that they want to be that wasn't fully there in week one, obviously because of the very shortened offseason and they had no preseason, and boom, week one you're playing with no fans in Baltimore, Maryland, um, against a, a Ravens team that has, you know, at that point, coming off a really, really successful season. Obviously, they had an early playoff exit, but Lamar Jackson coming off an MVP award, like, that, there was a, the win probability for the Browns of that game was 0%. <laughs> like, it just was. It should have been 0%. There was absolutely no chance the Browns were winning that game. I think a lot of us were aware of that. I tweeted infamously now, obviously, uh, this should be up in a museum that the Browns were gonna could get boat raced in that game, and it would not matter for the rest of the season. And I think, as you have seen, that Week One loss was more an anomaly than than really anything else. And there's been a ton of talk about the Browns and their point differential and how they're really the only nine and three team or one of the worst nine and three teams if you just look at point differential. And Bill Barnwell had a column about the AFC wildcard contenders. Um, where he talked about the Browns and how basically their point differential, which is still, I believe, in the negatives, um, is reflective of a team that is like, it should be like four and six right now or something like that. Um, but here's, you know, here's the thing is like, I think that Titans game is a perfect example of why point differential in the NFL especially. I mean, I think in general it's a very skewed stat because it needs so much context. But especially in the NFL where, like, and LeBron scored 38 points and a half against the Titans. I think emotionally and intensity-wise there was going to be some let-up in that second half. And you saw that right out of the locker room. I believe the Titans came out and scored twice immediately. Um, You know, you had Baker fumbling on a fourth and one just trying to end the game. Titans get it, get a garbage touchdown, like... 
that point differential was not really reflective of what the game actually was. Um, I think if you flip that to week one, that point differential in that Ravens win over the Browns was not really reflective of what that game really was and really what it meant for the rest of the season. Like losing 38 to six to the Ravens, um, in that game, I don't think is reflective of what the game actually was. And I think that sort of leads me nicely into the transition to where we start and where we look at the Browns as we preview this upcoming matchup. We look at what the Browns were and what that game was in week one against the Ravens. And the final score is 38 to six, but the Browns in the first half like probably should have taken a lead into the locker room, um, which is pretty wild when you think about it, because I think a lot of us remember that game as just a complete and total blowout. Uh, Browns were absolutely dominated all over the field, and um, the first half is not really reflective of that. I think if we want to remember some absurd things that happened in that game, um, we can remember that the Browns ran a fake punt on fourth down on their own side of the field. Ravens were up 7 nothing at that point. Um, Jamie Gillen fumbles the ball on that fake punt. It gets scooped up by the Ravens, and the Ravens tack on a field goal, uh, and it's 10 nothing. I think to a man, Kevin Stefanski would tell you that he would not make that call again. Um, I think Kevin Stefanski has evolved as a coach since then. I don't think that was a call that he would make right now. Um, going back and watching it, it still is an absolutely baffling call. Um, uh, so that play immediately gave the Ravens 10 more points. So it was 10 nothing. The Browns had a nice drive following that. They um, they get into the end zone. It's 10-6. Austin Seibert, who is no longer a part of the team for reasons that started in this game, uh, misses the extra point. It's 10-6. But the Browns are right there. Browns get the ball back. Still down 10-6. They have the ball at the Ravens' 30-yard line. Nice little drive. Moving along. Humming. Two straight penalties. Give the Browns a First and 31. Um, I believe that got all the way up to like a, it was like third and 41. Um, by the end of that drive. So they were at the 30, they're in field goal range, they're pushed back all the way beyond midfield back in their own territory. They have to punt. Two big penalties. And then after those penalties, I think Baker got sacked for like a loss of 10 yards. Disaster of a drive that should have probably netted them at least a field goal. Could have been 10-9. Maybe they score, they have the lead. Who knows? But these things happen, you know, drives end, penalties are called, that's tough. You may be thinking to yourself, Jordan, after that, certainly, that's when the Ravens really took off. And I I will tell you that um, that's not exactly true. Now, so the Browns go from a 1st and 10 from the Ravens 30 to a 4th and 41 in punt. They pin the Ravens back. Inside their own five, Ravens go on a 90-plus yard drive to score. It is now 17-6. to six. Okay, so you're not feeling good. You're not feeling great about this whatsoever. Browns get the ball back. It's basically a little, like, three-minute drill at the end of the half, and they're driving again. David Njoku has a crazy catch where he leaps down the left sideline for, like, a 30-40 yard gain. Browns are in business. It's third and three. Browns could score. And get right back into this game at half. Could be 17-13 at half. Or if they went for two, maybe you get within a field goal. 17-14. Odell runs a little 
whip route on third and three from the Ravens 24. Basically, a whip route is Odell goes up, fakes like he's going to go to the left, and immediately whips to the right. Uh, Baker throws him the ball. Now, this ball was a little bit, but a tad bit behind. I think we remember having this discussion, but it hits Odell in the hands. He drops it. It would have been a first down. Um, instead, the Browns trot out the field goal unit, and Austin Seibert misses another kick. Browns get no points. So the Browns had basically two drives in the second quarter that got deep into the Ravens' territory where they came away uh, with no points. It's 17 to 6. Um, 17 to 6 Ravens. I mean, the Browns either probably should have had the lead or should have been within three points going into the locker room. And instead, it was 24 to 6 at halftime. Um, some other things that happened in that have to do with Baker Mayfield. And. The issues that Baker Mayfield sort of had in the first half of the season that he has really, really cleared up, and we're going to get into that in the second half of this pod, but that he's really, really cleared up in the um, second half of the season. But they really, some of those seeds of doubt that we've talked about on episodes of this podcast were right there in that Baltimore game. Um, not seeing the field well. There were multiple plays where Baker had Odell. There was some bad Odell body language in that game because Baker just was not looking his way early on, especially when Odell was open. That was one thing. Um, Kadero Hodge comes wide open on a play where Baker sort of had to scramble out of the pocket. Um, Right in Baker's line of vision would have been a 15-20 yard gain. Baker does not throw him the ball. Instead, rolls back the other way and throws it out of bounds for a throwaway. Um... Watching that tape back is like a little bit of PTSD on, on Baker Mayfield and the stuff that um, had frustrated us up until about the last three, four weeks. Um, and so that gives you a little bit of optimism that Baker is now seeing the field better. He's not making those same mistakes. Um, he's not being as hesitant. Brown, Browns have a more reliable field goal kicker now. Shout out Cody Parkey, who's had a little bit of a second life with the Browns. Um in this, uh, ever since they had to let sweet old Austin Seibert go. That's a big deal. The one thing, and this is why I think this game is a, even a much bigger test than that Titans game. And not this is not to take away from anything that Baker did in the Titans game. I don't care what defense he was playing. I think he would have, he was just in the zone that day. But the Ravens, despite the COVID stuff that they've had to deal with, despite sort of their season taking a turn, maybe the opposite direction from what the Browns has since that week one meeting, um, the Ravens and Wink Martindale are going to do things on defense that are what Baker struggles with, and they have the personnel to do it. And you saw it immediately out of the gate in their first matchup, which is the Ravens are going to show you a defensive look Pre-snap, that is not going to be what they're going to do post-snap because they have the athletes on both their defensive line and in their linebacking core where they can show you three to four guys that look like they're going to blitz pre-snap and then they are going to drop out defensive linemen. They are going to drop out linebackers who look like they're about to blitz and they are going to drop immediately into zones where they think Baker Mayfield is going to try to throw the ball. That happened on the Browns' first drive, where uh, I believe it might have been Calais Campbell. I forget exactly who it was, but one of the Ravens' defensive linemen drops back in his own coverage, pops right into the little zone where Baker was trying to throw 
a little crossing route, gets a hand on it, and knocks it down. That happens later on a pass that Baker was trying to fit into Odell Beckham Jr. that almost results in an interception. But another Ravens defensive lineman dropping back into coverage and Baker throwing the ball anyway. This was the pattern of interceptions that we had seen from Baker um, 2019 and early on in 2020. And the Ravens, you can bet your ass, are 100% going to confuse Baker, throw defensive looks at him that are different pre-snap, post-snap, and Baker is going to have to show that he has come a long way from where he was in week one, where he was even week three, four, five, six, um, in being able to recognize those coverages or just being able to adjust after the snap because the Ravens are going to muck things up defensively and they're going to drop people into coverage that you don't think are going to get dropped in because they have guys like Pernell McPhee and Calais Campbell and um, lots of really, really talented bigger guys and in their linebacking core that they can drop back. Patrick Queens had a nice little rookie season at LSU. Just guys like that that are going to make life really, really difficult for Baker, and that's why I think this is going to be such a bigger test than what the Titans game was. Now, the Ravens' offense is not as good um, as the Titans' offense was. Lamar Jackson obviously is still terrifying on the ground. You still don't know what he's going to do. Mark Andrews, if he plays, which I think he's on schedule to, like, Mark Andrews is a really, really good tight end, but you've sort of seen what's happened with guys like Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykins. Like, they don't have a lot of weapons on the outside, and once teams sort of got tape and got more physical with uh, Hollywood Brown uh, after his rookie season, I think you've seen what's happened there. It's been a struggle for him to the point where he was complaining about not getting the, not getting the ball. So a lot of things are working in the Browns' favor. But the biggest matchup to me is going to be Baker Mayfield versus Wink Martindale and whether Baker and Stefanski, too, in terms of play calls, can handle what the Ravens are going to throw at him. This is just such a huge game, and it's so amazing that the Browns are playing a Monday night football game with huge division implications and, I mean, just in terms of, like, positioning. Obviously, it's still a, it's still a long shot for the Browns to catch the Steelers, although it is possible after the Steelers lost to Washington last week. But, um, but to be on national television with a better record than the Ravens, which hasn't happened in decades, I think I saw a tweet about that, um, with just meaningful stuff on the line in, in sort of mid-December is, it's really cool. I wish that the Browns, I wish COVID didn't exist right now so the Browns could fill up that, that atmosphere would be so incredibly rowdy. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, that's not going to be exactly the case, although the limited amount of fans that have been there have been pretty loud uh, in, in past games. But it's just it's just a huge game. Football is back and in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I think we talk about 
obviously Baker Mayfield and how far he's come since uh, since that game against the Ravens and it's it, it really is sort of remarkable um, since week 10 and week 10 came after the Browns bye so week 9 was the Browns bye week 10 they took on the Texans at home this was the start of their really really like terrible well I guess I'm, I'm sorry Las Vegas was right before the bye that was the start of the terrible weather games um, but then Houston was right after the bye, and then Philadelphia. Those were two really bad weather games, and they went to Jacksonville, then they went to Tennessee. They've won every game out of the bye, four in a row. If you look at Baker efficiency-wise, since week 10, and shout-out to Ben Baldwin. Follow him on Twitter. He's great. Um, this is his website, rbsdm.com, uh, quarterback efficiency stuff here. Baker Mayfield... These are the two quarterbacks Baker Mayfield trails in quarterback efficiency and how that is calculated on this website is your EPA, which is expected points added, which we've talked about on this podcast before, plus your completion percentage over expected. The two quarterbacks that Baker Mayfield currently trails since week 10 are as follows, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. Just If you want me to repeat that, I can. It's Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL, and Aaron Rodgers. Baker Mayfield is sitting comfortably in the number three spot behind both of them, and that is it. Behind Baker, directly behind him, Ryan Tannehill having a fantastic season. Deshaun Watson at number five, playing the best football of his career. Kirk Cousins. Number six. Um, I think you get the idea. But since week 10, Baker Mayfield is playing out of his mind. He's playing at a level. He's playing at an Aaron Rodgers, essentially an Aaron Rodgers level now. He's not playing at Mahomes level. Mahomes is still like very far ahead as number one in all of these. But even if you look at just by itself, like Baker's, if we isolate his completion percentage over expected, he's number four in the NFL since week 10. He's completing 71.6 percent of his passes, his expected completion percentage sits right at 63.6. So that's eight That's eight points higher than what he was expected. Um, that sits behind Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, and Patrick Mahomes, and that's it. Um, just, it really is sort of remarkable... Two thousand twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is crucial. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps find you quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for Hire. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. 
Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Obviously, you know, I've tweeted in games that I thought Baker wasn't playing very well um, about how he hadn't been playing very well. And I think if you look at the national perspective on Baker Mayfield before even really that Titan, that excuse me, that Texans game, which I thought he played fine um, despite the weather, like the national perception of Baker Mayfield was he has been an inconsistent quarterback and there has not been enough information gleaned about his ability um, to figure out whether, like, he is the guy to lead the Browns in the future. There, there just wasn't. And if you read any national article, whether it was The Ringer or Pro Football Focus or USA Today or, like, whatever, like, th- this was the conversation that was going on, and it was a fair and accurate conversation. Like, Baker was not playing good enough football for you to have a really, like, good feeling about... Um, about where he was in terms of the Browns' future plans, like there just there just wasn't, and I don't really think that was like a controversial, um, like a controversial opinion to have, especially if we look at. I'm going to update this in real time, really quick. If you look at where some of these things. Uh, these stats I just went over where Baker was from week one. Let's go from week one to week eight. Through week eight. Uh, that was the Browns' last game before the bye. And if we take a look at Baker Mayfield's, some of those same statistics. So if you remember, I told you he was number three in... Um, quarterback efficiency, your EPA plus your completion percentage over expected. Baker Mayfield was 18 from week one to week eight. He was 18th. He was one spot, two spots above Gardner Minshew. Uh, His completion percentage over expected was 1.1. And if we look at where that rates, it was bad. It was bad. He was, let's see. He was also 17th in that. Baker Mayfield was struggling and he was not playing well. And the leap that he has taken is monumental over these last four weeks. And it starts to make you feel really good that a couple things. One, Baker is starting to feel way, way more comfortable in Stefanski's offense. And I think I, I have always, despite how poorly he had played early on, I think it was always fair to say, he needs more and more time in this in this brand new offensive system to really start feeling comfortable, to really start understanding what he's looking at on each and every play, what checks he can make, all of that stuff. Um, he needed time to get comfortable with that. So one, I think he's grown more comfortable in Stefanski's system. But two, and I think you saw this against the Titans, like that was the first game where it just felt like he was just ripping it. Like there was no hesitation, there was no. Um, like seeing ghosts in the pocket. There just wasn't any of that. He just looked like he was 
as confident in his where the ball was going out of his hand as I've seen him in a while. Sort of started in that Jacksonville game, and then it really went over to that Titans game. Um, and so, for me, someone who had been skeptical all year of like Baker Mayfield and and being the quarterback of the future for this team, I think he's really quelled some of those worries specifically for me because the throws that we all know he has in his arsenal and and that he can make but there was always a sort of yeah but it has to be he has to know exactly what he's looking at yeah but it has to be his first read those things have gone away a, a little bit and that's why I think this Ravens game is huge because Baker was barely pressured in the game against the Titans Titans defensive line has been terrible getting after the quarterback their secondary has really really struggled as well like the conditions were really kind of perfect for Baker Mayfield in that game to have success, but he even blew those expectations out of the water. Like, he played even better than I think we all thought he could if that was sort of the climate he was going to play in. That is not the climate he's going to face against Baltimore. They're going to pressure him. They're going to try and confuse him on the back end. Their secondary is better. Their defensive line is better. Like, their defense just overall is much, much better than what the Titans were going to show him. National television, Monday Night Football, if Baker can put together back-to-back games like this, Tennessee, Baltimore, he doesn't even need to do what he did against the Titans against Baltimore. The Browns, he just needs to play well enough for the Browns to win that game, to go in 10-3, and to essentially lock up a playoff spot for the first time since 2002. For the first time since Kelly Holcomb was throwing to Dennis Northcutt. For the first time since William Green was scooting down the sideline against the Atlanta Falcons to wrap up a playoff spot. Like, then I, then I think, like, there's nothing left really for people to say. There's nothing left for me to say. There's nothing left for people more skeptical than me to say. Like, then it will feel like Baker Mayfield feels good in this offense. 2021. I mean, look, who knows what they do in the playoffs? I think they can win a wild card game. Like, I am not afraid of the Buffalo Bills. I am not afraid of the Indianapolis Colts. I am not afraid of the Tennessee Titans. Any of those teams that the Browns played in the first round, however this shakes out, um, I think the Browns can win that game. Now, beyond that, I think it's going to be much tougher. I don't think they're quite good enough to beat that second tier of teams, but you just never know. But I think if you're looking realistically... If you can feel comfortable about Baker Mayfield, like really comfortable with him going into this offseason and you pick up his fifth-year option, then it's like, let's go. Like, let's build out the rest of this team. Let's build, let's get this defense to a place where you can feel like it's an above-average defense across the board. Let's get Odell Beckham Jr. back and healthy. Let's maybe take another wide receiver in the draft. Let's, you know, let's just shore up some of these weaknesses especially on the defensive side of the ball and then in 2021 let's go let's go for it let's make a deep playoff run like that should be the expectation and if baker mayfield can give them that comfortability that confidence in him then i think like i'm getting a little excited talking about it then i think 2021 is is going to be a really could be a really special season because not only are you probably going to have a much more normal offseason, not only are you going to probably have training camp. Like, if you think about next season in, like, July, August, um, you would think the vaccine will have been circulated um, pretty thoroughly by then. And I think you will be able to have 
some some sense of normalcy back. And if you think about Baker year two in this offense, then given some extended time to practice over the offseason, like you should start to feel really, really good about what the Browns could do next year. Um, if this is what they've been able to do with sort of all of these circumstances thrown against them. And, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski, bias aside, like I don't, it's, he should win now, especially now that the Steelers have lost. And I think the Steelers have been fairly overrated. We talk about like statistics that don't really point towards like how good or bad a team is. Like the Steelers, I think, have been just coasting along uh, with a team that is nowhere near as good as being, um, 10 and 0 or 11 and 0 or whatever they were before they lost to Washington. Like they were not a caliber of that team. Um, so especially now that they have lost, I think like Mike Tomlin, like, I mean, you know, props to him. Mike Tomlin's a fantastic coach, but I think what like Stefanski has dealt with and the team that he's sort of taken, um, to be nine and three, maybe going to 10 and three to get that first playoff spot, what that means for the city of Cleveland, like it's a really huge deal. And he, in my opinion, it, like should be the favorite to win coach of the year. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but um, I think like that should 100% be something that he's looked at. So, um, so yeah, it's a huge game on Monday night. A lot of these games have felt huge, but like this is, this is like the spotlight is right on the Browns um, playing a team much like the Steelers that has consistently made them look inferior over and over and over again. That was what week one was. That was cool. We're nowhere near closer to Baltimore than the Browns were any of my entire lifetime watching the Browns play the Ravens. Like, this is a chance to make a statement and to let the Ravens know that this continued sort of, we're going in opposite directions Ravens are going backwards. Browns are moving forwards. Like this is a, it's a big deal outside of just this game and what it represents in terms of like playoff positioning. It's a, it is a chance for the Browns for once in my lifetime to make a legitimate statement that not only did we just beat you on Monday Night Football, but like we're going to be here for a while. Um, and you hope that's what it is. And then. You lock, you essentially lock up a playoff spot. You've got a nice little New York, get yourself ready for the playoffs back to back action going on before you take on the Steelers in the final week of the season. And who knows, you know, if the Steelers will be playing their starters by then or like what? That game's not really gonna mean as much as it would if it was like taking place this week. But, um, and then you have a playoff appearance. Like that's such an enormous thing to think about. The Browns in the playoffs. Like it has been so long. It has been almost 20 years. Like that is an insane thing to think about. And I know time doesn't really even exist as a real thing right now because we're all in quarantine and every day is exactly the same and we just sit in our apartments. But like it's wild, man. It's wild to think about. It's wild to think that that is going to be something that has a 90% chance of happening and close to a 100% chance of happening if the Browns win on Monday night. So Man, I wish I was, I wish I could be tailgating, I wish I could be in a stadium, I wish I could be in a, in a house with like 50 Browns fans in Cleveland. I'm not. Probably just gonna be watching it in my apartment in LA, which will not have the same vibe whatsoever, but I am going to be hype and I am going to get evicted because I am going to be screaming a lot of expletives and obscenities and, um, you know, no one will have any, any idea why this random Browns fan in California in an apartment is losing his mind, but it's gonna be me. And you're going to see me on the news. And I just, I will share that video with you uh, when it comes out. So, 
in conclusion of this episode of the Rebuild Podcast on a Saturday, this is Baker Mayfield's chance to show that the things that he has been historically bad at, deciphering coverages when it's not what he expected pre-snap, having to go from his first read to his second to his third, um, not leaving the pocket because he's seeing ghosts, all that stuff. Like, this is it. This is a chance to do it because the Ravens are going to do it to him. And I'm thrilled that they're going to do it to him. I'm thrilled that he is playing in this game because I think, especially if they make the, when they make the playoffs, I'm not even going to say if, when they make the playoffs, like this is the type of stuff he's going to see. If he wants to go on a deep playoff run, this is the type of defenses he's going to have to beat and be able to um, decipher in the moment. It's a big deal. It can come full circle. It can come from week one where he was and not being able to do it to week 14 and being able to change completely change the narrative about the quarterback that he is. So let's go Browns. Monday night, I'll be tweeting. You'll be tweeting. And hopefully we can celebrate together. All right? Great. This has been a special Saturday episode of the Rebuild Podcast. I am Jordan Zern, and I will talk to you guys next week when hopefully I am dumping a bottle of champagne on my head as the Browns have defeated the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Enjoy your weekend.